Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Ben! Yeah? We're pretending like we haven't seen each other for a week. How was your week? My week's great. I will continue telling about the week I had as if it's brand spanking new. Oh, I thought we were just going to make up what happened in our weeks. Because last week, Hmm. I mentioned I have a date coming up, or had a date coming up Mm -hmm. in two days. Mm -hmm. It went really well. Uh, We did anal. I saw her rosette. (laughs) Uh, that's how we know we love each other. <laughs> See, that's your first mistake. Never do anal on the first date, because now you're just going to get married. I Okay, so are we, we're not ma- pa- we're, are we not making up weeks now? We're not making up weeks anymore. Okay, though. so we're just going to play it straight. We actually are just recording this immediately after the last one, but it's going to release a week later. Yes. Okay. I'm going to talk about my week that I didn't finish from the last episode. Okay. Besides the guinea pig scenario, I have... Uh, scheduling crises. I have a Christmas town that I do with my sister and my family. Um, I don't know what that means. Can you explain that a little bit for me? What's a Christmas town? Ceramic houses, Ben. Okay. Tiny light bulbs. Inside. Oh, I know what that is. Then you lay them all out on a table and put down fake snow and that whole thing. Now, do you <clears> lay them <throat> out uh, the same every year or do you switch it up every year? Like the order that they're in? Well, the- we switch it up. So okay. initially, just put the Christmas town together. That's adorable. Turn on the lights. Okay, well, we do, our work's done here. Move on. Yeah. Uh, are they Department 56? Isn't that the big... I think that or, might be. That so it's not my Christmas town. It's my sister's. But okay. I've inherited it now that I have this house. So I'm Is your sister keeper. homeless? No, they live oh. in an apartment. Why are we talking about them? Well, I just want to know... Well, you- She's fine. Their place is too small for the gigantic Christmas town. How how many residents are there in Christmas Town? Twenty to thirty. Okay. So, anyways, with a Wait. school, there's a school system. Okay, twenty to thirty houses. Twenty houses, I'm, I'm okay. guessing. Okay, so presumably then, hmm. well, I mean that's close to a hundred residents, probably. Are we doing a census? Well, I think so. I'm just extrapolating here. I'm assuming these are God fearing citizens. <laughs> They're not using birth control. They're having families. So each house has, uh, I'm going to guess, an average of five residents. You know, based on that, every year there should at least be a new house being built in the in the neighborhood. Well, Because Glenn, it's I, growing. It's a growing community. Well, I hate to break deep, Glenn, but people die also. It's a cycle mm. life. So as new residents are being born in Christmastown, we old residents are dying. Chaos theory to this if we wanted yeah. to. Talk about averages. And maybe there's a terrible meth problem. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what goes on town. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the meth just takes off there. Nobody's got teeth. They're all walking yeah. around, going like singing Christmas carols with no teeth. The Main Street is probably deserted because a Walmart opened 10 miles away. <laughs> yep, exactly. You're literally talking about the same scenario with the town that my mom grew up in that we'd have to visit all the time. We just slowly watch it die through the 80s and stuff. Because <laughs> Walmart opened up and everything disappeared. Uh, so, the Christmas town, we would put it together and um, it was just kind of plane before but then some at some point we got the notion to hey let's recreate our hometown 
uh, with neighboring towns, and uh, our hometown would be the trashy, crappy one. Okay. And then the neighbor, the nicer ones are up on hills. So we had to pile boxes yeah. and put the house on top, put the fake snow okay. down. So then it became a theme, yeah. and then it became our old neighborhood that I grew up in. And one of the people in my old neighborhood that I grew up in, it was kind of a lower income neighborhood. Uh, one of the people was really, really low income, and they were just jerks. They never wore shirts. And they just ran around all the time. Just the Trittons were horrible people. I mean, did they have the body to pull that off? Like, mm. I would wear a shirt less often if I, if my body wasn't so Would you gross. or would you feel weird? Even if you had an amazing body, just walking down the street, no shirt on, do you think you could do that without feeling kind of awkward? It's not like people don't well, really walk around with no shirts on anymore. I can't really do much of anything seconds. without feeling really awkward. So mm. I would make, like, I would just go for it, I think. Hmm. I, mean, you, I just imagine you walking around no shirt on, doing a lot of like quick side glances to see if anyone's looking at you. And stuff. I mean, I feel awkward enough wearing a shirt, so if I have mm-hmm. an Adonis-like body, I may as well just take the shirt off. Yeah, there's no way I'm taking I a shirt think. off with these beer tits. So this is well, again, a scenario I'm going to play. Yeah, with. yeah, b- but if you had an amazing body, yeah, if you had that figure, and I still don't think I would. Okay, well, I got moles. Anyways. Again, this is assuming that you don't have walls. You have <laughs> okay, fine. a flawless body. I have a completely beautiful what, porcelain body. Whatever your definition of perfect. Hairless. Sure. The pinkest nipples. If you're into that. Yeah. Um, I'd still feel weird because no one walks around with no shirt on anymore. It's not the 70s. Okay. If you see a guy with no shirt on walking around, even a guy with no shirt on jogging, you're kind of like, eh, weird. Well, okay. Put a shirt on. What if you're roller skating? <laughs> Why is that acceptable? And not I don't know, but it is, isn't it? Think about it. If you see, okay, if you see a guy, Again, you're hearkening back to the '70s when people wore short, cut-off jean shorts. Yeah. Men wore short, cut-off uh-huh. jean shorts and nothing else. Okay. No shirts, no socks, no nothing. That's the reason why I'm. Convinced. Oh, no, no, no. You're wearing you're wearing so- you're roller skating. You've got two True. socks on. Fine. No I'm, shirt though. But roller skating with no shirt on just implies the short shorts. Uh, yeah. But that's Dude. that's less weird than just walking with no shirt, right? If you're roller skating, I think. When you have a goal at the gym, is your goal to not wear a shirt and roller skate? <laughs> is that what, like, by next summer I'm going to be able to roller skate with no shirt on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Christmas Town, Tritons. Yeah. Uh, so what we did is we started doing uh, where we would take the whole town, we'd lay it out, we'd lay out our neighborhood, and then we'd take one house... And that's the Tritton house. And we would surround it with little porcelain trash cans that have little porcelain uh, <laughs> raccoons that are, like, digging through it. We actually found them. They were Wait, was, that's the thing that... That's the thing. There's okay. a bear. We have a bear in one of them. We have a <laughs> bunch of people that are past... Like, they're laying on the ground as if they're doing snow angels, but they're holding little mugs. They're laying... So they're, they're made to lay on the ground. Like they're so, they're, to, so they're passed out? So they look like they're passed out. And wow. we just have all this trashy trash stuff. <laughs> and so it's like, hey, that's the Tritton house. And what we do is we always turn off the little light bulb inside the house because they never have enough money to oh. keep the lights going. Which was true in real life. And I would feel bad about that, except they were such jerks. They you beat know, the crap out of people all the time. They're just the worst people. They can't afford to keep the power on. It'd be nice if somebody left a jar full of change on their stoop. Let's not go there yet. Okay. We're not ready to dive right. into the book. Right. So then what we do is every Christmas Eve, we turn on the light bulb because yeah. the gas and electric company has a heart on the day of our yeah. of our Lord. And uh, that's Also, it's just illegal for him to cut the power during the winter, I think. Oh, is it? No. Or, I the, or the heat. I don't know. Is it heat? I, don't I think it's the heat. heat. I'm not sure. It okay. depends. Anyway. Anyway, so we gather my kids around. Everyone gathers around. So that's what's happening this year. Okay. Um, we're all going to... I'm going to have Christmas Eve here at the place, and um, we're going to do the tradition. But normally... 
the family puts together the house. We also have our old neighbors from the neighborhood I grew up in. They come over and we all go. Oh, wow. So this is a big thing. I didn't think it was going to happen this week. Yeah. So suddenly, uh, you said, let's just cram both episodes in one night. And I said, sweet. So okay. it's happening. Yeah. All right. Well, Wednesday. Good. Wednesday's Christmas town night, Ben. Yeah. It's a Christmas miracle. That's a Christmas gift you gave me. So Wednesday is Christmas town night for you. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm going to Pound Town. <laughs> Are you. Do, have you purchased I'm a first kidding. date we're, vibrating egg yet? <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. We're, we're just going to a, a local brewery for a beer. But you're still going to buy the vibrating egg. I you got to be ready then. I know. Anyway. <laughs> um, so that, okay, that's a nice story. I liked, I liked your story. What, the Christmas town one? Yeah, that's nice. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so at the end of last week's episode that we just finished recording 10 minutes ago, mm-hmm. um, I, I shouted Book Boys. Mm-hmm. And I told you my Christmas present Which to you. Which happened just 10 minutes ago. Yeah, but I told you in the next episode my, my present to you would be that I wouldn't show up Book Boys. Mm, I don't believe you. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even do better than that. Are you ready for your present? You didn't buy me a present. Yeah, I did. Oh, for Christ's sake, I don't have a present for you. That's, I, that's fine. You don't need one. You turd. What? Ah, now I feel horrible. I well, didn't you even want me to buy you a present. Huh? What did you buy me? Why don't you open oh, it and find out? God. You don't have to wait till Christmas. It looks... Is it a new Kindle? <laughs> it's not a new Kindle. Ben, you're breaking my heart right now. Uh, I can't I, believe I didn't even dawn I, on me. I already had the bag, so the bag is nothing new. <gasps> Gingerbread coffee? It's like our previous conversation came true. I know. Holy shit, Caribou Bland. Look at you. I've had a lot of your coffee over here over the last oh, few months, so man. it's the least I could do. <laughs> Major Dickinson's blend? I don't know, yeah. It was a big bag. I a big bag for a big Dickinson. Yeah, I thought you might like that. That's a very nice Pete's coffee. Ben, thank you so much. Thank you for the I hospitality and uh, don't know what to say. giving me something to do on Monday nights. Well, now I feel bad. No, no, you shouldn't feel bad. You're gonna Again, the, you're going to get the angry post gift I've, on the next episode that we do in the spring or whenever we do this. Like, <laughs> Here's your Christmas present. <laughs> It'll just be like a ceramic fist I made myself. I'm already looking forward to what we get each other for <laughs> Valentine's Day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Ben. That was super nice of you. Yeah, Gingerbread coffee. Oh, Lord, I'm wet right now looking yeah. at that. I know, still... we, we were just upstairs talking about how you like to switch up disgusting flavored coffee with regular yeah, black so coffee. Yeah, so you literally have that here. It, it worked out quite well, yeah. Oh, my Got God. Variety packs, that so is perfect. Well, thank you so much. Who's the nicest guy, huh? Who's the nicest guy, Ben? Who are the best friends? The book boys are the best friends, Ben. The book boys are. <laughs> <laughs> Do your other friends get jealous or it's like... So what are, what are you and Glenn going to talk about this week? You're like, why don't you listen to the podcast? He's like, no, we're not going to listen to the podcast. I'm sick of hearing you two get along so well. <laughs> they all listen. Do they? They can't stay away from this banter. They can't. It's too perfect. Perfectly crafted. Yeah. I wish people knew how many hours we put into our banter before we actually record. Like, right, we have notes. I'm telling you, Ben, I'm, don't say that. I don't. That doesn't work well with the kind of musicality of our conversation. <laughs> yes. When did you first realized that Santa didn't exist. I don't personally remember, so I'm not just trying to be a cutesy. I don't remember the first time I realized that Santa didn't exist. Do um, you remember? I don't remember either. I, I think... I don't remember Santa specifically. I think my first memory was Easter Bunny. Oh, really? I think that was the first realization that I remember, and I think I was like seven mm. when I 
strongly suspected my parents had something to do with this. <laughs> not not the Easter Bunny. <laughs> my youngest daughter, she she uh, came back to my place after being at her grandparents, at her mom's side, and uh, she said, "Dad, Grandma pulled me aside and told me that the Easter Bunny isn't real." And this is over Easter. Like, this is going to the grandparents for Easter. How old was she? Uh, 10. Okay. So, oh, okay. I mean, that's a little old. Isn't that getting a little old? Maybe. I don't know. But I mean, I've heard about kids that are 13 that still believe Santa's real. So it's like Ooh, 10 really? is kind of. But to pull them aside on the holiday when wait, they wait, still believe in it. Kids are 13. Yeah, who did I hear that from? Don't. They, they, they still believe in Santa Claus. Well, at the same time, they're presumably watching pornography all the time on their smartphones. Because <laughs> that's the world we live in. Like, that, I don't know, the, the juxtaposition there is... I, I love that. Kind of charming, actually. I don't know. It's, it's kind of nice. <laughs> kind of charming. <laughs> I do love that. That's hilarious. I didn't think about that. Yeah. The guy gets done doing a sesh in his bedroom, and he's like... Yeah. Ooh, so Christmas is coming up. I wonder if Santa's yeah. <laughs> Hope Santa just see me jerking off. <laughs> you think that's a ties into the guilt? Yeah. I've been a bad boy, a real bad boy. <laughs> I'm not on the good boy list. <laughs> not with what I've watched. <laughs> huh. Yeah, so she told me uh, it broke my heart. She used the words broke my heart describing um, when Grandma pulled her aside on the holiday that she still believes in uh, that it doesn't exist. Why did Grandma do that? I have no freaking idea. That's one of those weird scenarios where, like, I'd like to pull Grandma aside. But like, what were you? What was going on in your mind at the time? Like, yeah. she looks like she's having too much fun. She's still got the wonder of childhood inside her. Uh, that's not what you do on <laughs> the day of Easter. <laughs> no, <laughs> and pulled it aside. And Even then, I know better than that. I don't have kids. I don't like being around kids that much. No, but you don't have to crush I'm, I'm their little hearts. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. No, they're tiny little hearts. Yeah, little tiny beating things, just full of light and happiness, much like the stuff inside. This book that we read. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Are we are we getting into it now? I guess we're gonna get into it okay. now. Let's start the show. us read did you notice i didn't scream ben at you i'm trying thank anything. you yeah it's a uh, holidays yeah take it down and we will when we get back from hiatus we can get back to yelling back at to each yelling other. yeah exactly screaming at each other's names yeah christmas jars you brought it up can you give us a little backstory on christmas jars uh it's your idea <laughs> <laughs> it was just well it's short so that was appealing that was a plus uh, i just read it was just how did they come across it? Oh, I think I was looking for um, books that were being adapted into movies or TV shows that were coming up, and this was on a list. And is it being adapted into a Hallmark television movie? Even better, <laughs> it's going on the Mormon Channel. <laughs> okay. Uh, the author is uh, Jason F. Wright. He's a Mormon. He's also a, a frequent contributor on Fox News. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a political columnist. Um, no, that makes he's, sense. He's a Mormon, and yeah, this the there's BYU TV network apparently. Hmm. BYU being Brigham Young University, mm-hmm. the, the Mormon one in Utah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it just it, so that's how I came across it, and it was I think it's just it was supposed to be incredibly saccharine, sappy, yes, holiday book, and that's what it was. The watchword for me on this one is schmaltzy. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to, before we get into this too much, mm-hmm. I want to, it's, I don't want to be too hard on it because mm-hmm. it's the holiday season. It's, you know, kind of, it's, it's a nice sentiment. It's inoffensive. There's yeah. nothing to really get angry about or anything. Yeah, I mean, there's, well, there was one I, part. Found, I found a couple of things. I wonder too, if we both saw the same thing. There, there's, we'll get into it. There's a few problematic things going on in the book. Yeah, you might point um, out some, but yeah, there's one I was like, I saw that and I'm like, huh, I wonder if Ben noticed that. I, I guess <laughs> we both kind of say uh, Before we get into the book itself, though, there's, did you read the acknowledgments by any chance? No, I didn't. Uh, one of the people he, he thanked in the acknowledgments, uh, mm-hmm. Glenn Beck. No. Yes. Seriously? Yes. Oh, it's right there. Glenn Beck. I wound up listening because I was I had stuff to do yesterday, so I'm like I can't sit down and read read this book, even though I could have done it faster. But I got the audio book, so I could like go shopping and yeah. get some stuff done I need okay. to do and yeah, do stuff. You're, you're a busy man about town. I'm you got things to do. Yeah, I got a girlfriend, you know. Um, yeah, no, because so, you mention it every episode. Well, it's none of your business, so I'll stop talking. Well, about then it. stop talking about <laughs> it. Stop bringing it up. <laughs> this is the banter we spend hours yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> crafting. Yes. Um. It's read by the author, and I would love oh. to, before this ends, play you a clip, because he I sounds like hear that. if Winnie the Pooh could be a middle-aged conservative <laughs> <laughs> writer, <laughs> that's what this voice is. Do you think, yeah, where, where does Winnie the Pooh lie in the political spectrum, do you think? Uh, I you think, think he runs China right now, because that's the <laughs> big thing. <laughs> you know how they ban Winnie the Pooh? Because yeah, people in China yeah, keep saying that uh, he looks like Winnie the Pooh, so he banned any yeah, reference to Winnie right. the Pooh. So basically Winnie the Pooh is running China. So I'll briefly explain the book, and then... So the book, there's this tradition, I don't know, you, this really sappy family started mm-hmm. this tradition of giving some random person a jar of change yes. at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um and then it's really sappy family. <laughs> it's such it a is. sappy family. The way they talk to I have quotes about it's like, how they talk to well, each other and it's totally a, like a Hallmark show. It's well it's like the the episode of South Park about the Mormon family and their that super, family was super sappy and happy like, go lucky. Really, yeah. really like spending time with each other, like genuinely. <laughs> yeah. Um that's what this family was. It was like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so at the end of the book the patriarch of the family dies. Mm-hmm. And it, his funeral's on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and, and it closes with a bunch of strangers. So they had started this tradition of giving out jars of money to people. And so all these people came back and gave the widow, like, jars of money. And there's this, she had this countless pile, jars upon jars of money in yes. this house that people had given her. Because they had started a tradition. So the people were paying her back, basically. Yeah. I think that's what the author is up to here. I think the author wants people to be bringing him uh... jars of money. I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah. I see what you're he saying. He started this tradition, and mm-hmm. he's he, and maybe no, maybe not literally, maybe just figuratively. He just he just wants to make money here. Yeah, I think he's in it for the money. I think he likes the idea of hey, what if I started a thing that people did, and then yeah. like I'm known as the guy who started this nice thing that everyone does. Yeah, like I'll be like the new Santa Claus. Like people will speak of me in the future with loving words. I kind of wonder if that's what's going on in his mind. I don't know if it's that insidious. Uh, anyway, all the people in the book, though, the characters in the book, they apparently nobody in this fictional town was ever charitable at all until they got a jar of money. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't realize I could give things to other people. <laughs> Wait, you just give people stuff when they need it yeah. to be nice. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, this book started a apparently a couple of sequels. Um, so it's kind of like once you've written a schmaltzy book, 
you can sh- just we- keep making sequels. So there's another book. I forget the name of it, but a, a friend of mine, a super Christian guy, said you got to read this book, and it's basically about for book boys. As you were no, book not boys, for book boys. That's no, I was recommending this it. This is before book boys. He just told me I should personally read it, and um, it's about like was it the Bible? <laughs> was it about this cool guy? I know. I don't know if you've heard about him. A little bit of a bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of things people found <laughs> offensive. Um, it's about like. God being in this shack, so this guy keeps going out to this shack <laughs> what? to talk to God, and God's like an old African American woman. It, uh, yeah, I thought it was like a glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining after he gets done being service in the glory hole, you're like, I don't think my father loves me. And then the voice behind the glory hole, have you tried calling him? <laughs> hey, Glenn, you want to meet God? Go out to this shack. <laughs> There's a hole in the side of it. <laughs> You'll know what to do. <laughs> a lot of duct tape around the hole. <laughs> okay. Uh, you got to pound on the wall to wake the guy up in there, but yeah. Anyways, well, that just went south. But the point is, this guy wrote this book that became like a little Christian phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and then he it spawned like five sequels. So it just became one of those things. Like, if you write Twilight, you got to write nine more kind of thing, because that's your new career now. And uh, I kind of wonder if that's what Christmas Jars is, because if you write Christmas Jars, it's a cutesy book. Yeah. There's not really much more you can say after that. So... But they did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It's just kind of like, hey, do you like that? We'll give you more of it. So should we quickly go through the plot of this? Like, yes, basically, a woman named Louise Jensen is always eating at the Chuck's Chicken and Biscuits <laughs> on Highway 4. Yeah. Um, she basically discovers that there's a baby in the booth behind her with a note. So this is yeah. one thing about the book that, um, not really annoying was it or anything. Was the booth or was it by the door or something? Or, I thought it was anyway, a like, Anyway, somebody had abandoned the baby with a note. Yeah, and the thing was is the note is kind of what I was like, oh, great. This is going to be kind of like Twilight in a way where Twilight, the author didn't understand how drugs work because she's probably never <laughs> taken drugs. So the way she talked about, like, sometimes I take illegal substances, <laughs> that kind of thing. Because she was a Mormon. So here you have a baby being abandoned usually has very, very horrible and very sad reasons. But what they came up with in this note is, I'm a really good mom, which can definitely be the case. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to raise a baby in a family where the, quote, daddy hits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... Uh, that's a really cutesy way of talking about well, something but, really horrible. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, so is this what I'm going to be dealing with? And I am. Everything in this book is very cutesy and watered down from that point on. Yeah. So anyway, she takes this baby and raises it as her mm-hmm. own. Names it Hope. Names it Hope. Uh, then there's Hope is growing up. Uh, we learned the mom is working three jobs. Yeah. She's a maid, right? A house cleaner. Yep. Yeah. Um, She's got milk chocolate brown eyes that no one forgets. Yeah, and then she died of cancer. She died of cancer. That's later. Well, uh, I, she names the kid Hope. There's a conversation between the kid and the mom. So here's a situation where it should be very sad, where it's like the kid is saying, you're not my real mom, then who's my real mom, basically? That yeah. conversation, like I'm adopted, then, you know, where's my real mom? This should be very sad, uh, whatever. You don't have to be the best writer in the world to write this in a way where it's kind of like you feel bad for the kid. That's kind of devastating to hear that, you know, your real mom isn't around. It says, quote, then you're not my mommy? Uh, Of course I am, sweetheart. I am every bit your mother today as I was yesterday. And the same goes for tomorrow and all the tomorrows after that. Okay. Will I ever see her again? I don't know, sugar, but I bet she'd like to see you someday. 
Uh, it couldn't have been easy saying goodbye to one of God's most special girls. And that's yeah, the end of that conversation. Okay. Then the girl's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe it's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could look at it the other way and say, like, the girl obviously had a strong bond with her adopted mother and did, and that was a sufficient explanation. Sure. And it doesn't have to be devastating to know that she's adopted. It could be. It seems like that's a topic that wouldn't be so easily put to bed. There was very... Uh, the girl's like seven years old. It's I know, not that come hard up to again. outwit a child. They could be like, where's the scene where she's 14? She's like, you're not even my real mom and the arguing <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, yeah, that... You know, there's that more complexity happen. around that issue. Uh, Hope becomes a writer, or she wants to become a writer. They say she's been writing you when she's in the womb. Yeah. Um, Specifically, she wants to be a journalist, a newspaper writer. Yep. And then, uh, so then it just, uh, in the first chapter, jumps straight from her being a little kid that they call the precocious one. Uh, She's got pinups of other reporters' works. And then um, she writes for the community paper, and she's doing well, and she finds out that Louise has ovarian cancer. Also, I like that she's writing for the community newspaper, and she gets into writing op-eds, and one of them is, mm-hmm. like, she's a climate denier? Yes! <laughs> I was wondering, like, so this guy is this, he works for Fox News, and as you show, and he's thanking Glenn Beck, yeah. and I'm like, is he going to be able to write a schmaltzy, happy, lovey story without it involving any kind of political stuff? No. 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 Uh, one of her, I, even, I made an article about that. about the sheriff, like... Oh, I didn't see the sheriff. There was, I mean, there was I an op-ed about the sheriff one. It was clear that she's a climate denier, and then one where, like, Something about supporting the sheriff's strong arm tactics or something. Oh, really? It was like really blatant, like really pro law uh, enforcement. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrote down that's in chapter three. I wrote down she. Oh, she's a, so she's doing better at work, and uh, oh, she has to brown nose her boss, and she doesn't do a good job. It's a hilarious comedy of errors as she's trying to like get her boss to even know who she is, and she says, "Good grief, my schmooze needs a tune-up." Is the one quote. Uh, <laughs> She imagines that her mom is from the grave saying, I knew you could do it, as she succeeds because she writes an article called Global Warming, Legit Scare or Liberal Hot Air? (laughs) (laughs) So he's got to slip that Fox News stuff into a story about giving and kindness. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to find the one about the sheriff, too, because that had another good title to that article. I have to admit, when you gave me the gift, you have this bag... With this, a glittery Santa head, which I'm going to reuse the hell out of this thing. Yeah, I and I tissue paper, it. and you had to point out. Uh, I already had the bag. Yeah, well, you I don't want to admit you bought this and bought tissue paper. No, I had the bag. Did you buy tissue paper? No, I had the tissue paper too. Say you don't. Wanna, you're too much of a man to admit that you went out of your way to buy this bag and buy the tissue paper and get a presentable. Uh, no, I bought the present. coffee. <laughs> I had the bag because I was. I save bags like that when I get Christmas gifts so I can reuse them, like you're going to do. <laughs> Because you're a curmudgeon. I'm not spending money on the well, why throw Christmas away? industry. I'm not curmudgeon. I'm just not wasteful. <laughs> why would I throw away a perfectly good bag and reuse it? How many bags you got in your house? I don't know. <laughs> Do you have, um, like, rooms full of bags stacked on top of each other? No, just a closet or two. Yeah, I, I can't find this fucking sheriff thing. All right, fine. Um, Chapter four. Hope celebrates Christmas at Chuck's. Uh, when she goes home... She finds out that her place has been broken into and they've stolen a bunch of her junk. What's <laughs> that? you find it? No, it's just that they stole a bunch of her junk. Yeah, she didn't have anything important. Yeah. But there's a jar full of money in there. And, well, um, so, like, the... But my, well, really quick before you talk, the one thing that stood out for me was yeah. that the cops are there yeah. to look it over and the cops actually say, we'll catch these six disgusting creeps. Yeah. Cops don't care. They'll walk in and be like, yeah, there's not a lot of evidence here. We can't really do much. We'll... 
try to help out, you know, but it's like, it's like getting your car broken into. It's like, yeah, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> but no one's like, we're going to catch these creeps for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, so this jar of money shows up mm-hmm. at her apartment while the cops are still there. Yeah. There's like three cops there. Mm-hmm. Hope is there. Mm-hmm. Somebody just snuck up and left a jar of money. Yes. Like in the apartment, it seemed like almost, or was it outside on the step? Anyway, I thought it was in the apartment. You think be wrong. somebody would, I got the impression somebody should have noticed. Yeah. A I stranger know. walking up to this uh, and recently up. burgled apartment. So when I first, not knowing the premise of this book, I first thought, okay, so supernaturally people are getting jars of money. So this is like God sending some sort of message to people in a supernatural way. Okay, this will be a little weird, and but uh, let's read it. No, you find out later that it's these this family that's giving out these jars to people that they've noticed and think they're in need. So that means one of the members of the family noticed the break-in, didn't report it to the cops as it's happening, then snuck in and dropped off a jar and snuck out again. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh boy, here comes a jar opportunity, a jar tuning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know it was saving this change Like you watch a murder some happen reason. or something. Yeah, the one jar has $154.76 in change. The other one's got $80 in cash. Very specific. But that's when Hope decides she's going to solve it. And, oh boy, it's going to be a great story for the paper. Yes. <laughs> she's a real go-getter. And she knows a good story when she sees one. Yes, she does. And that's going to help her fulfill her dream of working for the Washington Post. Which is an odd paper for yeah. this person to aspire to. I know. And also, they did mention that one of her heroes when she was a kid and po- uh, pinning up articles was Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. Like, yeah. The ones that brought down Nixon? Yeah, I'd place her a climate denier to go work. Yeah. You'd think maybe maybe USA Today would have been her dream? <laughs> That's a joke of a newspaper. <laughs> yeah, it's always been a joke of a newspaper. Oh, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. The paper supports the aggressive methods of Sheriff Eugene Jones. <laughs> the that's aggressive one of, methods. That's one of the editorials that she penned. Um, what is, uh, is the sheriff waterboarding people? What's going on? <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and assume the sheriff is not a person of color, but... Uh, Probably, I don't think anyone's a person of color in this book. Do you well, I bet you the perks are that are at the wrong end of the aggressive methods. That's true. <laughs> and also the... The sick fucks? What do they say? The, the sick, I disgusting crazy. say sick fucks. <laughs> I love that. This book is super schmaltzy, it's very clean, but there's this one part where the cop's like, I swear to God, we're going to catch these sick fucks. <laughs> That's the only time it swears in the book. It would uh, be great. Or maybe the vagrant at the end is a person of color. Oh... I just thought it was odd that the author used the word vagrant. Isn't that kind of a anachronism? Oh, you know, a, like a long time ago... I was uh, had a coworker that we'd always joke about being just because we were working in a diner, and so we're like, oh, we work in a diner, so we're you know we're the the wealthy looking down on the others because of where we work, and um, we'd always refer to homeless people as just homeless. Yeah. Like, oh, so have you seen a homeless and that kind of thing? He says that in the book. Yeah. Not the homeless or a homeless person, just a homeless. Yeah. It's referenced a couple times, <laughs> and also uses the word vagrant. I didn't catch Vagrant. When was that used? About one of the homeless. (laughs) A homeless. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As if it's a breed of man. Yeah, there was a homeless that somebody gave a jar of money to. Mm -hmm. The homeless was referred to as a vagrant. Oh, okay. Which I don't think we use that term anymore, do we? No, that's kind of Dickinsonian. (laughs) Dickensian? Dickinsonian is what I've decided. Oh, is that your coffee? Is that what your coffee's called? You're right. Dickinson's. Okay. Nah, not the same. 
Um, so Hope goes to work. She looks in the uh, the database because on the jars it says Christmas jar. Yeah. And so she goes to work and she looks in the database and she sees that there's a bunch of letters to the editor of people saying, "Hey, got a scoop for you. Someone gave me this jar." And uh, but then you know the editor just says, "This is fluff piece," and threw it away or whatever. So she's yeah. finding it. She's digging them all up. Um, I thought that so, so. This is again the kind of watering down of things. One of the people is a woman named Kimberly. She's feeling like her marriage is going down the tubes and she's just living with a roommate. She yeah. gets a jar. Yeah. So it's not like homeless. And, and or... you know how they're going to fix that marriage? With a baby. <laughs> That's the answer. Well, because they use the money from the jar for fertility treatment. Oh, that's Which, right. First of all, okay, so there's $400 in the jar. Mm-hmm. She says she was able to use it for fertility treatment that her insurance didn't cover. Yeah, it's only three fifty for a fertility treatment. Yeah. <laughs> so she got a little extra to get coffee afterwards and be like, success! Yeah. I, it just okay, okay, and then just, can we step away from the plot of this for a second? Just sure. talk bigger picture here. Oh, wow, here we go. Um, just a little social commentary, I guess. I wish I had a little moment. Uh, I'm going to have to see if I can find some extra music right now to play for Ben's social commentary. Well, okay, so this but it's this book is very American. Let's put it that way. Hell yeah. Because I don't mean that as a compliment in this case. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I think um, statistically, I think Americans give a higher proportion of their earnings to charity than any other country in the world. Oh, do they? Yeah. Which sounds nice on the surface, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what this book is. It's about giving away stuff. But mm-hmm. I think it's necessary in this country because the, the government or whatever does such a poor job of taking care of people that it's mm-hmm. that's why we're charitable because guilt basically yep and no i agree uh, just and, and this book just perpetuates that like uh, oh i just know. need just rely on the kindness of strangers and everything's going to be a-okay exactly it's the bootstraps uh there's yeah. a whole thing i've i've read multiple articles about um how you see these schmaltzy pieces these little fluff pieces about like a kid washes other people's cars to raise money so that his mom can get a walker or whatever yeah. like a wheelchair and stuff yeah and it's like but and so it's like this like always in that grade, it's a heartwarming piece. But really, you know, the the other caption should be, yeah, government has this failed is this necessary. family, where yeah. this kid has to raise money that whatever. Yeah, and so that's kind of, and then it's the idea of like, you know, well, rely on the kindness of strangers and pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Which that term in, in itself, and then is explaining something forward, that's literally yeah. impossible to do. You cannot pick yourself up by your bootstraps. It's supposed to be an exercise in futility, which has been turned into this sort uh-huh. of war cry for yeah, take care of yourself, be independent, and yeah. whatever. So, yeah, this book definitely perpetuates that because if you are a woman and a husband who can't pay bills was another example, yeah. they just get a jar. Then they're, Yeah, they then, get a jar of like $300 and they can get their electricity turned back on and then everything's fine. Then they said, after that, we started budgeting. Yeah. And we never, you know, they had a kid. So, like, we never had the kid go without electricity again. It's like, well, yeah, and that's, right. they, they just, like, it's this, they receive this jar of money and it's like a wake up call for them. Well, that's the thing. I just have to budget better. And then, mm-hmm. uh, like, just, Denying the reality, like, it's really expensive to be poor in this country. Yeah, absolutely. This country treats poor people like shit. We're still fighting for a minimum wage of $15 that not everyone gets. It's still a new concept. Uh $15 would have helped you in the 90s. It doesn't do anything now. And so that's like, you know, being poor in this country. It's better than $8 an hour. It is, but you still can't get an apartment with that. Yeah. You know, so it's like that's being poor in this country is very, very hard. And this book does not, like, 
Not like it it's has just, to address it. It just kind of ignores it. Like, well, well then just, it inspired them to get better and be less lazy. The examples that he gives though just shows how out of touch he is with mm-hmm. the reality of like three hundred dollars is going to solve everything for this poor couple I that know. can't afford to pay their electric bill. And I love some of the other examples. A lot of the examples of why you would get this money is for reasons like you think it would be homeless people. People who are suffering because they lost a family member, don't have enough money to afford to whatever, that suddenly they get this money and, you know, whatever. But instead, it's a lonely college student. Yeah. Got a jar. He looked lonely. Here. Well, and then, so, <laughs> the lonely college student gets a jar of money, finds some other lonely college student. Hands they go it to, to him. They go, well, they go to dinner together. Oh, that's right. And then, so, they, he says they find the fanciest restaurant they could. Do they pay in, like, nickels at this place? They got, like, a $60 steak and just give them a jar full of nickels? Like, that's what's implied here. That's how this scenario like the, worked out. They didn't stop at the bank first to change it into bills. They, I love, yeah, I love that. I did not think of that. That's a really good point because basically it's like those old Diners Club card commercials. They're like, it's like, and here is your bill, sir. And it's like, I'll be paying with Diners Club. They go, oh, yes, sir. And then they're like, what? Well, instead of be like, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with what you find in this jar. <laughs> Puts it on the table. He's like, I can't wait to count that out yeah. and give you back your change. Yeah. I, of course, haven't counted this. I don't know if this is enough to cover this meal. <laughs> exactly. But it looks like a lot of, there's it some dimes in there, too. There's some dimes. Yeah. It's penny heavy. You can tell it's penny heavy. There's a lot of brown in there, but it's, uh, I think there's a couple quarters in there, so I think we're going to even yeah. out. And then, yeah, so people not needing it, getting it, that's at the end of the book when the widow just gets, like, untold thousands of dollars in spare change <laughs> for a bunch of strangers like walking up with jars of money. To Which, it. what kind of message is that? So the the husband is all about, I want to do this and not get any credit for it. But at the end, it's like, that's just you being humble. You're going to get credit someday. And that's what this is all about. Yeah, that's like the touching conclusion of the book. And then, oh, and then Hope is reunited with her mother. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I love that you squeeze that one in. Um, <laughs> So I have chapter six. Hope starts interviewing jar people. She's excited because the piece is writing oh, itself. Wait, wait, wait. Chapter six also, there's another anecdote about one of the people that received these jars. Mm-hmm. And they got a jar with like $500 in it. Mm-hmm. And so then they could afford daycare. Yeah. Isn't daycare really fucking expensive? Insanely expensive. How, how long is $500 going to buy? A week. Okay, if. so... Problem solved, though. I know exactly. Well, they must, they got daycare for a week and then learned how to budget. (laughs) It's, again, it's the bootstraps. It's just like, oh man, if I'd been lazy and irresponsible, this jar is more a symbol of kindness that'll make me stop being so selfish. Or I don't know what the message is, really. Yeah, it's. That's true. I forgot about that. No, daycare is expensive. I did daycare with a lady who lived down the street out of her house because it was cheaper than going to a center. And it was just, it's expensive, like crazy. Chapter 7. Oh, I wrote as a note because I didn't really know oh, what it was. Oh, also, it was daycare for uh, five kids. Well, then that's just ridiculous. It was Mr. Shane Oaks was a father of five. And his wife uh, had a debilitating nervous breakdown. But anyway, they got a jar full of $500, so they should every, everything's well, did fine. The, did the jar cure her breakdown? There's no complicated anything with this. Well, there is a little bit, though, because uh, Chapter 7, the, we meet the jar man. <laughs> Adam. Uh, Adam. Adam Maxwell. Yep. Uh, maybe a sex pest. I don't know. He calls women doll. Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has a used furniture business. How he, does he, that work? He restores furniture. But how much money can you possibly make? I don't know. Well, it doesn't seem... It's like saying, like, ah, he's a, he's a shoemaker. That's <laughs> what it seems like to me. It's like, really? Can you have a... Can you own a house with the money you make from restoring furniture? 
But yes, he calls really her doll. And yeah. they actually make a point of saying, like... He can get away with it. He can get away with it. They actually make that. Uh, chapter 8, she goes back to meet with them. And then she's seeing them three times a week. Yeah. She's just like... What kind of in-depth interview of is this? Um, well, yeah, she, she doesn't want to tell him that she's writing this for a newspaper. So she... College creates this student. elaborate ruse, yeah, where she's a college student writing a paper about small businesses. Right. And um, so they run this furniture restoration business out of their garage. And I instantly thought, so when she publishes the article, they're going to know. Then what does she do? Which comes up later because it yeah. didn't occur to her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she sees a jar there called C- that says CJ on it. Yeah. And he makes her a sandwich after praying. That's a big thing. Everyone's praying before meals. Yeah. And he says... Uh, you're a very lucky lady. And then she says, I am. Yes, I am. That's dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> I, and that's why I wrote down, I would have loved it if he just stopped and go, why'd you say it like that? <laughs> because she discovered a jar and that's why she thinks she's a lucky lady. Well, and she, she's looking for the jar. She's looking for an excuse to ask about the jar. She sees this mm-hmm. jar sitting there like, oh, you got a jar full of money. What's the story with that? <laughs> it's like, how many people have a, like a spare change jar sitting somewhere? Like, yeah, you're never going to comment on like everyone tosses their change somewhere. And even if you've never see, like owned a change jar, you're aware of the concept. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to bring it up in conversation. Yeah, where else are you going to put all your loose change? Yeah, oh, there's a lot of, you just a lot carry, of change in that. Carry around Weird. your pockets until it's just <laughs> spilling out of your pockets, like. I don't know where to put this change. I guess I'll keep it on my pants. I love that the next day when you're putting on a new pair of pants, you got to scoop yeah. out all the change from the pocket and put it in the new pair of pants <laughs> pocket. It's just spilling everywhere, and you're like, ah, oh, boy, there's a mess on this floor of a I, spare change. I wish I, I put it somewhere. Yeah, I wish somebody would come up with a better method for dealing with this change. <laughs> I tried the coin purse. That didn't work. There's too much change. Um... Anyway, she yeah. picks up the jar, points it out. He grabs it back from yeah. her uh, and turns it to the CJ. Well, that's it. Who's gonna? If you see a jar, change it. Hey, <laughs> let me look at your collection of money. <laughs> I think if because I've got a jar full of change, it's like a yeah. bowl that all uh-huh. my kids like put the spare change in sure. for my kids. Yeah, and uh, if you just walked up and picked it up, yeah. I'd be like, put it down. Yeah, why? Yeah, why? Are you, <laughs> why, why are you coming to my house and touching my I know, stuff? Get your hands off my money why, jar. Yeah. She says, sounds like there's a story in the bottom of that thing. And Give he her, says, uh, doll, there's a story in every jar. This yeah. is the kind of dialogue and writing that we're dealing with. Did you ever watch a sh- uh, MTV show Cribs? <laughs> yeah. Was there a change jar in one episode? There, there kind of was. There was uh, <laughs> So for those who aren't familiar with Cribs, it was uh, MTV would go to musicians' houses and just give the viewer a tour. And they're these really nice places, obviously, because... Mm-hmm. Successful musicians have a lot of money, mm-hmm. uh, but then they went to Method Man's house one time. Did you see the Method Man episode? I never Cribs? watched any of those episodes. Okay. Do, do you know who Method Man is? Yes, I know who okay. Method Man is. Anyway, he's a jazz he, musician. He's a rapper. <laughs> no, I know who Method Man is. Anyway, he lived in this kind of shitty duplex in oh, did he? <laughs> yeah in Queens or something. That's awesome. And uh, his yeah, it was kind of funny. It was kind of. It was like dirty. There's six <laughs> shit everywhere. It was like a small TV. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. well, no, we had a huge TV in the basement, but oh. like, there's junk everywhere, like mm-hmm. TV boxes or whatever. I don't know, whatever. That's but um, yeah, he didn't have a change jar, but he had a like a shoebox on top of the fridge. We call it his dollar box. <laughs> and so he just had like a, a wad of like crumpled bills in this. <laughs> and he's explaining the concept of the dollar box. He's like, yeah, you know, if you need to walk down to the store and get a gallon of milk, you just grab a handful from the dollar box <laughs> and you're good to go. This is awesome. Do you think he really lives in a mansion, but he had like a friend He's like, they're going to do a, an episode on me. Can I borrow your place? <laughs> I would totally do that if I was him. I hope that's what it was, but I got the impression like 
Method Man actually lived in this kind yeah, of Yeah, you're probably right. Place. It yeah. was like the concept. I love that he explains the oh, concept wait, no, of the no, dollar wait. box. I'm sorry. It wasn't. It was Red Man, not Method Man. Oh, okay. It was Red Man. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, way, sorry. that's hilarious. Sorry, Meth. <laughs> yeah, because Meth's like, he's like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm not listening to this podcast ever yeah, again. Yeah, I bet you Meth Man lives in a really nice place. But yeah, Red Man does not. That is hilarious. I love that. So anyway, this, uh, the Christmas jar, that's the Mormon equivalent of the dollar box. <laughs> Uh, oh, and one of the so this is just me grabbing some dialogue that is super hallmarky. Yeah, is uh, at one point the wife tells her it's time to wrap it up, time for you oh to go my home. God, and uh, what? Yeah. No, just the dialogue with the husband and wife is oh, I know. Sickening. Oh, there's more. Yeah, uh, the wife. Uh, then the husband says, "Goodbye." I sure hope you get an A. Uh, yeah. Then uh-huh. she goes, "Oh, you've been waiting all day to say that, haven't you?" And he said, "Maybe." I mean, this is yeah, this is uh, your hallmark movie kind of dialogue um i like so in chapter eight they're talking about the uh the furniture business so yeah he's he's explaining how they restore furniture for people so people send their furniture to it's not a used Um, furniture business he's people are have pieces of furniture they're sending to him to restore and then the same people um, get it back all right and uh it's a deep trust people put in you (laughs) Trusting you with their furniture. <laughs> deep trust. It is a deep trust. Yeah. More quotes. Uh, when they have her over for Thanksgiving dinner and they pray again. Uh, she asks about the jars in the kitchen. Adam says, do you think she's ready? And then in quotes, to the family room. And then another, somebody else says, here we go. And then Adam Maxwell, master craftsman of both words and wood, began to weave a story that would forever change how Hope viewed her place in the world. <laughs> Uh, in chapter 9, I open up with a quote that says, Don't forget the Crisco for my hips to get me out of this chair. <laughs> so I, is this part of the flashback where they talk about all the food they eat and everything, then they, they watch football and do Christmas planning? So I don't know if they're talking about like the, the beginning. That's the flashback of back when is the, it the flashback? Adam and what's his wife's name? Lori or something? Yeah, or, and then JJ, who's really annoying. Um, they're sitting in the living room watching football after they've had dinner. And then they're deciding what they're going to do with Christmas. And then they say that they decide who is tasked with visiting the lovable and loony cousin Greg, who's a guest at the Greenbrier Adult Developmental Center. So somebody with that was developmental not, problems? I am not kidding. Yeah, no, that was not in my book. Oh, it's in there. Oh, wait, it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's really insulting, isn't it? If somebody's got like, okay, a yeah, developmental I, problem, you're like... Oh. It, no, you don't have to read that. Uh, there's the part where J.J is some teenager who suddenly goes, who does a song about Jingle Bell Rock, and I'm like, oh, I, oh can they, Ben read that? <laughs> they call Cousin Greg Looney. Yes. Lovable and Looney. Wow. And he's in the Adult Developmental Center. That seems really insulting. Like, cool. Who was going where, who wanted what, and who was tasked with visiting the lovable and Looney Cousin Greg? Forever a guest at the Greenbrier Adult Developmental Center. I can't believe I missed that. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. So somebody with a developmental I mean, problem is being like, ah, he's lovable and loony. Yeah. Uh, who's going to go see him? They're literally yeah. like, who's going to go visit him? Like, someone's wow. tasked with it. This is... It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, but yes, could you find... Because I was like, oh, I just to show the schmaltziness, JJ, the teenager, sings the Jingle Bell Rock oh, song. yeah. But I didn't want to like try and type it all out for when I was listening to on the audiobook. Could you read it, Ben? Do, I, do you want me to sing it? Don't sing it. I'm not going to sing it. Read it as if you were Barack Obama. <laughs> I can't do that. Okay, fine. Uh, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. <laughs> I've got a concert Christmas Eve. 
The senior jazz band is playing a show, and I'll wear long sleeves. <laughs> the gals will swoon, and the jacks will turn green, as we have a ball. The Broadway bigwigs will clap along as we rock the mall. <laughs> That's what we're for. Uh, it's such a Hallmark movie. Yeah. And it's him. He's supposed to be a kid that's always telling bad jokes, but people love him for it. They don't. I mean, they love him more than Looney Greg. Yeah. <laughs> who someone's got to go visit. Whose turn once, is it this year? Exactly once a year, I one know. person goes to visit Greg. <laughs> that's so horrible. <laughs> Uh, they talk about how they should save money in small jars, and that's where the idea happens in this flashback. They start using cash, uh, just get more change going whenever they go out shopping. So chapter 10, Hannah oh. throws a kink in their Christmas jar gift thing because they're buying each other cheap gifts with what they save up and change, but then Hannah yeah. gives it to a woman who's crying. Well, they, they just casually mention there's a miscarriage at some point. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they slipped that. That was kind of weird. Well, thanks to the power of audiobooks, I was probably cleaning a toilet or something during that part of the story. Over the following years, the tradition became family law. Then, after a miscarriage at 11 weeks, Lauren and Adam were surprised with not one, but two identically perfect baby girls. Oh, yeah, that's it's right. kind of, I don't know, I felt it was weird that they just slipped a miscarriage in there with no other explanation. <laughs> no. Like, that's, okay. Yeah, it's... It's weird details. Like, either be scrubbed clean where nothing is offensive and nothing makes you unhappy, or go the other way and be realistic. But it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. The Greg thing is still bothering me. Yeah. Because it's like, why is that in this, like, super saccharine kind of story? Um, so... And then, okay, also in this chapter, um, they're talking about different um, pe- recipients of the jars mm-hmm. in years past. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they gave one of the jars to a wealthy guy one year. Mm, to get him to be nicer. Yeah. Because apparently Just, these jars, the money doesn't matter. It's the act of kindness. That the next year's jar people. went to a wealthy furniture client who mm-hmm. hardly needed the money, but who they privately surmised might appreciate his own lesson in giving. Yep. That was, That's a little spiteful, isn't it? <laughs> like, <what>? Passive-aggressive Mormons. <laughs> Hey, this guy's got plenty of money. Let's give him $400. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to make him feel bad. Yeah, teach him a lesson. So, yeah, uh, Hannah gives it to a woman who's crying, and that is basically uh, Hope's mom. Yeah. We find out later. Yeah. And, um, Boy, I was shocked. And since they can't give each other gifts, uh, because Hannah gave away all the money, they spend their night sitting around talking about why they love Hannah so much. That's how they spend Christmas. So that's yeah. nice. Chapter 11, all I have is... Hannah says, I will always love that story, Daddy. Why not? You're the star. No, Daddy, you're the star. Then the twins say, Kissing Booth. Kissing Booth. Yeah, that was my only note. <laughs> then he says, Hope, save me. Adam talks about the uh, change he keeps in his pocket as a daily reminder of sacrifice. And then the coping, Not a day passes when we don't think of the Christmas jar, the family answers in unison like a well-trained choir. Can you imagine living in a home where I'm trying to say something like, yeah, and then that's, uh, I realized I was low on gas, so I had to. And also my kids go, go to the gas station! <laughs> and just be like, can you guys shut up? Can I just finish a sentence? <laughs> as, I, as I try to say finish a sentence, I go, finish a sentence! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Chapter 12, all I have is you're nuttier than Jimmy Carter's pantry. Oh, God. Yeah, they... Just, yeah. <laughs> I was... 
I wasn't writing a lot of notes to begin with, but my notes got Well, in each chapter, not a lot's happening. Fewer, you just keep yeah. talking about the jars and, like, the, yeah. the family tradition. And just kind of, that part drags out for multiple chapters. And then Adam died of a heart attack. Hope, yes. Hope met a vagrant. Uh, yes. Well, so chapter 13, she's at work. She learns that she's a, a daily staffer employee of the week because of the article she wrote in the Maxwell's. Hope sees her profile mounted on a phone. No, board. no, no. She was just employee of the month for... Oh, I she thought it was the article. No, no, I, she hadn't written it yet. Eh, I got screwed up now. She also, considers... like, speaking of this article, so she was, she wanted to get on, like, the front page of the paper, so she's going to write this epic article about mm-hmm. the Christmas jar thing. Mm-hmm. And then, so in this book, like, the entire article is in here, this entire No, you're article. kidding me. Well, wasn't it on the audiobook? Is yeah. it at the end or something? Yeah, did you not? Well, no, oh, it's, it's, it's in. You know, you're right. You're and, probably right. I've been taking like, notes on it. It's supposed to be, like, this... I think huge, I do remember that now. huge story in the mm-hmm. and it's it's like it, a page or something. It's, I don't remember it being yeah, very not, long. No, that's the thing. Is my note is that not exactly your magnum opus here. Is <laughs> exactly. it? Like it's like this is supposed to be some epic article, and it's yeah, it's like a thirty second read. Yep, exactly. It's a fucking Buzzfeed article. <laughs> <laughs> Top ten reasons why these jars are pretty yeah, mysterious. Uh, yeah. Um, well, chapter thirteen is where the article is published because. And I think that's why she got the Employee of the Week, because she considers running out to the Maxwell's area and getting every copy of the paper to prevent them from reading it. No, no, that's not... That's just because she, as the featured employee, is in the paper as the featured employee. So oh. they, they would know that she wasn't actually a college student, so they would know that she was a reporter. Oh, okay. That's, that's and that's why she's expecting is. them to call her when they're yeah, angry. Yeah, because oh, okay. her cover had been blown. Right. Okay, uh, then that makes sense. I got screwed yeah. up on that one. And it's a, a complicated, layered book. I'm, I'm yeah, not surprised that you missed that. Well, again, I was probably cleaning the toilet or cleaning cat shit while <laughs> listening to the Christmas jars whispered sweetly in my ears by a voice that I can't wait to play for you later. <laughs> yeah, oh, I forgot about that. I'm going to see if I can get the uh, Christmas jars or whatever. We're going to try and pull that one up. Right. Chapter 14, she learns that Adam Maxwell died. That's pretty much it. Chapter 15, she drives the Maxwell house debating going in. She gets a jar... And then I wrote the one that she's given and gives it to a homeless guy at a grocery store. So either she kept the jar and never used it or she created her own. It, it was a vagrant. You're right. A homeless <laughs> a vagrant. Potato, potato, Ben. Yeah. The point is, uh, he wouldn't take it at first. And then yeah. she gets him to take it. And she's like desperate, like, please take it. Yeah. And uh, and then he hugs her. Well, And she says that he smells like mold. And she hopes he never she never forgets that smell. Well, at first, he tries to hug her, but she <laughs> Pulls backs away. away and she goes, no, she, no, no, wait, come on, do it again. <laughs> yeah, then she forces herself to hug him. Yep. Talks about how bad he smells and hopes mm. that she never forgets that smell. That's a pretty I shitty think. way of writing about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, homeless, I don't uh, know. Writing him like he's less than a person. Less than, he's, he's an object yeah. uh, for your kindness is all yeah. he really is. Yeah. Uh, she goes to the funeral. JJ makes a jokes for a eulogy, but then he gets all serious. Uh, Hope goes up to the Maxwell house to see if they'll forgive her. They're happy to see her. She goes to Chuck's Chicken and Biscuits because uh, it's Christmas Eve, I yeah. guess. Well, that's her tradition. She always goes to Chuck's Chicken and Biscuits on Christmas Eve. Yep. Chapter 17, they get a jar. Family reads the Christmas edition of the local paper that Hope That's where written. her article is, yeah. Yeah. 
The twins want to play Kissing Booth again, which is just getting creepy. Yeah. Uh, someone knocks on the door. That's when they start getting jar, jar after jar, jar after, after jar. jar after jar. One is from an old couple who had gotten the jar when their kids moved out. Again, another non-event yeah. for you to give them jars. Oh, yeah. These two people look lonely or yeah. maybe liberated. It's They're like glad minor. the kids are out. It's like minor. Like if I was outside and it's like, ah, dang it, I left my car scraper in the garage. Now... And they're like, here's a jar, buddy. Yeah. I'm like, well, I still got snow everywhere on my car. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, use a jar to scrape it off, I guess. But you could use $386 <laughs> at least change. Exactly. Go buy yourself an army of scrapers. <laughs> Hire a homeless person to scrape your car for you. <laughs> um, then, uh, finally, there's more knocks on the door, and the kids say, you got to come see this. And yeah. it's like 12 people. Or dozens. Yeah, they're just lined up, ready to give them yeah, jars. Yeah, all the So it's the whole, like, the message being, if you do something nice... It's going to come back. It's a good investment. Yeah. So, chapter 18, a woman named Marianne visits. Uh, she's part of one of the jar people coming to the door. Yeah. Marianne visits uh, Lauren, Adam's wife. Yeah. Uh, she well, widow now. tells the story Adam's about. dead. That's true. Yeah. The widow, Lauren. She, uh, Maxwell, the widow Maxwell. She, uh, this lady, Marianne, yeah. tells her story, and it's yeah. very long, and you can see it coming. Uh-huh. And I'm like, come on, just hurry up. Yeah, just, it's an audio yeah. book, so I'm at, the, I'm at yeah. the will of this author who's reading his own book. I'm yeah. like, go faster, please. Yeah, Marianne is Hope's mom. Yeah, Marianne's Hope's mom. Uh, she was sitting outside crying because she was pregnant, and she knew that she was going to have to have this baby with the with a daddy who hits. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> But then she was like, I don't... Then the dad goes to Vegas saying, I'll be back in a month. It takes it, all her money. It takes all her money. And uh, so during that time, she's like, I don't want to have the baby... Uh, where there's a risk of him being involved. And then she winds up holding out for as long as possible and then just gives birth to the baby on the couch. And so then that's when she says, well, I don't want the dad to be involved, so I'm just going to leave this baby. Instead of like the dad being involved to give the baby away, I'll just leave the baby at the mercy of the Chuck's Chicken Shack. Yeah, and that's everything worked out in the end. Um, yeah, and in the end, uh, that's when they, they bring... They know that... Uh, Hope is sitting at the chicken shack, so they bring Marianne to yeah. there, and they let her go in, and yeah. then they sit down. And then the the thing we didn't mention in the beginning is that the fake mom with Hope would always play tic-tac-toe with... Uh, tater tots. Tater tots. Yeah. She does it again with their real mom. Yeah, isn't that nice? And they actually say, the tater tots, they never got cold, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. Um, I think the dead fake mom was warming those tater tots with her cancerous radiation. Yeah. So at the beginning of this recording, I said this is you know a nice sentiment. I was I didn't want to be too hard on this book. We kind of got hard on the book. Yeah, I, we, we, <laughs> I was a little surprised at how much we had to complain about there, and yeah, how, me too. how bitter I, this book actually made when I thought about it. Lauren. And it's the yeah it's season of giving wherever it's it seems nice on the surface, but you scratch the surface a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a disturbing book. It is. Uh, Jason F. Wright is one sick fuck. <laughs> We had a lot to talk about on this episode. Yeah, I'm shocked that this went this long. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I man, thought we were just going to pull it. Because it's such a short book, I didn't think there'd be a lot to say. Yeah, is it going to be like a two-part Christmas special next week? No. Because okay. no one's going to listen to it. So we might as well make a big one and throw it out Maybe there. a lot of people are going to listen to it, though. It's the holidays, Ben. People are going to... They want Christmas content. They're going to search <laughs> for our keywords. I like, <laughs> I like that you got like... The Christmas tree, the little children around it, just waiting to open the presents. The parents are doing the whole, like, well, we just got done eating. Maybe we should have a cup of coffee. And the kids are like, come on, guys. We want to open the presents. Like, we're going to have a cup of coffee first. And they all kind of, like, smile knowingly to each other. Like, yeah, we're torturing the kids. And then the grandpa says, hey, what are you at? What, what, are, you, what, what are you putting the keywords? So that we can hear a, a Christmas podcast. <laughs> and then they put in... 
Christmas, Christmas jars, Christmas giving, yeah. and also our podcast comes up. I, and it's just two grumpy guys in a basement saying, fuck this book. <laughs> it's a plausible scenario. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Well, Ben, uh, we sort of summed up the book, but we should make it official. Yeah. Let's, uh, general thoughts. What are your general thoughts? Be nice to one another. No, not in life. I mean this book. The book's a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> I love that you and it's... I both are like, no, let's not be hard. And now we're just like, eh, fuck this book. Yeah, well, we started talking about there's a lot of things wrong with this book in the in the little world the author has created in there. Yes, there definitely is. Um... I also agree. Um, it's the, I don't think the author of the book realizes the level of selfishness. Oh yeah, no. In this message, yeah, and uh, he's just like, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if like everyone was giving to each other, and it's like symbolized by these jars, and but then it's like the depth. So then it's like, okay, well, if you're gonna write a story like this, who would you be giving these jars to? Well, a college kid that looks lonely, and uh, my, like a wife who just kind of feels like she's living with a roommate instead of a husband. And like, yeah. no, think a little deeper. Bit. You know, this and then is, it's yeah, different, different white people, basically. Like what well, you, yeah, basically various white people. And also, you want and the, the other part of the message being that you want to get credit for your nice deeds, which is very, very selfish. The idea being, the story could have been written where this woman finds out about the jars, and then finds out who the family is, goes through the process of interviewing, learns about herself, maybe you know, discovers her mom. All that stuff. And then decides, you know what? I'm not going to submit this article because they should be able to do these good deeds and inspire people without having to, like, get credit. Yeah. Yeah, You know, like, that's a Uh better message. Instead, it's like, look, you've been doing nice stuff for years. And then when you're having a hard time, all those people owe you. And they're going to, out of guilt, they're going to come back and just throw money at you like crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And then just the broader social issue of necessity for charity in this country. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely just, that message like we talked about earlier. And the author's just weird worldview of the clearly a climate denier. <laughs> that part big, was so weird. Big fan of law enforcement. Whoop, I'm sorry. Oh, you could keep talking with that. Has no idea about the plight of the poor. They're just lazy and unorganized. Let's <laughs> let's hear this author speak. All right, so I words. want to I want to play that one line, and I think that's chapter nine. That's the reason why I was I didn't realize it was gonna play, so I wasn't trying to interrupt you. No, no, that's fine. All right, so here's the sample. You get to get an idea of how this guy talks. And I swear, as I was listening to the audiobook, I think he's, like, almost starting to cry to his own At story. The, the beauty of his own At writing. the end, yeah, his voice okay. kind of wavers. And I'm like, is he going to cry about wow. a story he wrote? Um, but this is the scene where they all scream Christmas jars. Uh, so let's just enjoy. <laughs> I guess it's a daily remembrance of sacrifice. Yeah. Not a day passes when we don't think of the Christmas jar. His family entered in unison, <laughs> like members of a well-trained choir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, it doesn't remind them sacrifice either. They're not sacrificing anything. No, it's, it's spare just, change. Yeah, they make a point of saying, like, oh, we don't miss this during the year. It's another it, thing to say, how much did we make this year? Let's take 30% of it and give it to the homeless yeah. or something. No, it's not sacrifice. It's yeah. just spare change. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, with that, happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> it's <laughs> the most depressing. <laughs> so much dislike and unhappiness right there. Yeah, I was surprised at how bitter I got yeah, talking I about thought, this book. I thought you and I might have like a little uh, 
warm, fuzzy episode. I genuinely yeah. thought that in the beginning I, until I we got into the too. details. Yeah, I was like, oh, like, that's yeah, right. This book is disturbing. Loony Greg, who <laughs> no one wants to see, and they literally have to talk about who's going to go see him. Yeah, this is a bad book. Yeah, bad, bad book. book. Another bad book. Well, yeah, we're going to well, take a break. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do some research and see if I can find something a little different. Okay. Well, then, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Ben. Thank you for the gifts. You're welcome. Uh, thank, thank you for the hospitality every time I come over. Oh, for sure. And second. my gift to you is that I hope you never get cancer. Thank you. That's... I miss my mom. Quite a gift. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. You're not going to scream book, boys. You no. Promised. I'm not. It's two gifts in one night. <laughs>